0: All right, well, this morning, everyone, you ready to jump into the Word of God? You hungry? You ready? Let the wild hogs eat. <laughs> what? I'll explain that. <laughs> As I coming out of my mouth, I was like, "Hmm, I might have to give some backstory to that one." Again, we had a really good friend. They come from Arkansas, and they were talking about, you know, what are some wild things you heard at, you know, at a church setting? You know, people go preach it, or that's good. You know, when people talk back to the preacher, and they go, "Oh man, that's delicious." And, well, one of these guys, they actually heard, so they were in, in Arkansas, and so they heard a guy yell out, Let the wild hogs eat! And so he thought, hey, that's a little different, but I like it. So he shared that with us, and I just thought, you know what, we wild hogs, we're going to eat around here. Some of you are like, I don't identify as a wild hog. Me neither, but just go with the flow. All right. All right, let's get into the Word this morning. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Come on. Whoop, whoop. Week number 9, I think, reading this verse, but we're going to get into it. There is so much to the Word, isn't there? And in verse 1, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So, no, again, it's very specific what you believe. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, not just a prophet, not just somebody who is here to, you know, do some stuff in history. He came as the Messiah is now the moment I believe that. Now, notice my belief turns me into something. My believing that Jesus is the Messiah makes me a spiritual child of God. And I have been fathered by God himself. And anyone who loves father, God also loves his children. Verse two, this is how we can be sure that we love the children of God is by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. This is so big for us. I mean, it's, it's just the right, you see it real clear right here is that my relationship with God is going to be seen in my natural relationships down here. If I don't have good relationships down here, it is a reflection of what the relationship is up here. You can't just say, oh, I'm good with the Father, but I, you know, with the brothers and sisters, we got some problems. That's not right. That's not God. Because my relationship with the Father should come out in my relationship with you. Verse 3, it says, true love means this, or true love for God means this, is that I obey his commands, and his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. You see verse 4. Here we go. All right. Every child of God overcomes this world. For our faith now is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. The reason we keep going over these verses again and again, you wanna get this down on the inside of you, you wanna get this in your heart. Because who am I right now? Who are you right now? According to verse four, who are you right now? I am an overcomer. Say with me, I am an overcomer. Is it based on what I do? It's completely based on what I believe. I become a spiritual child of my father, and he made me a world overcomer. Now I'm learning how to overcome by using this tool called faith. F-A-I-T-H, faith. Say with me, faith. faith. All right, and it's faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors defeating its, its evil power? Those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So from these verses, there's three things again that we want to highlight. That a conqueror isn't a position that I'm reaching to attain. It is who I am because of Jesus. Number two, faith is the tool that enforces this victory in this world. And thirdly, my faith is rooted in my continuing experience of how much God loves me. This is how I grow in it. Now, first things first victorious people, to live in this victory, we need to have a clear understanding of what dispensation or what time period we are living in. And we, st- we kind of ended on this last week. I want to pick it up right here again, because it's crucial for us that we understand the time frame or the dispensation, the age that we are living in, so we can properly see victory. Now look at this in Hebrews chapter 1. Very crucial. Verse 1, we'll start there in a sec. But did you know that frustration sometimes comes from trying to relate to God from a different dispensation. Can you see that? A lot of frustration comes from trying to operate or connect with God in the wrong dispensation, and I'm playing by the wrong rules. So what we're going to do here is just take some time, because God works again with people according to the dispensation or the age that we're living in. So in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, who at, look at these words, various times and in Quan, read it with me. Various ways spoke. So, in various times and in various ways, what did he do? He spoke in time past to the Father or to the fathers by the prophets. So, right here, Hebrews 1 1 is in reference to the Old Testament. Verse 2 now, it says, But now, in these last days, has spoken to us by who? By his Son. This is big. What does God speak today? Son. This is how he speaks. He speaks Jesus. Jesus is the message of the Father. If you're going to say, Father, what's the message today? It's Jesus. It's going to be because we're going to talk about the dispensation that we're in. And now Jesus, he has been appointed as heir of all things. Now look at this. Through whom also he made the worlds. And again, that worlds is eons or dispensations. Jesus made the dispensations. So now what are the dispensations? The first dispensation, again, is innocence. We see that from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3. The second dispensation was conscience. So man did whatever was they felt was right, they just did. You see that from Genesis 4 right after the fall to Genesis chapter 9, roughly around the Tower of Babel. The third dispensation became human conscience right after the Tower of Babel to Genesis chapter 12, when God went into the next dispensation, starting with Abram, what became the fourth dispensation of promise. Here's the promise. I got somebody coming. Dispensation number five now became after the Israelites were freed from Egypt. They now wandered into the wilderness and God brought to them the law where he wrote on these stones, the law bringing in the new dispensation that we know as the law, right? And then now the the dispensation that came after that, the sixth one, is the dispensation of grace. This ended at Jesus on his crucifixion and resurrection, started at? Acts chapter 2, right? The day of Pentecost, that's when it rose. And then the seventh dispensation is called the millennial reign of Christ, which is we are on our way to that. But I want us to realize what time period are you and I, are we living in? We are living in the dispensation of grace. Say it with me. Grace. Grace, grace, grace. 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 Get this drilled on the inside of you. Are we living in the dispensation of the law? It's done. It's done. Grace, grace, grace. Now, I want to show this to you and I because this is sometimes where people get frustrated in their walk with God. You are trying to relate to him according to the Ten Commandments. You're trying to relate to him to the law. If I do good, then God does good. Wrong dispensation and you'll be frustrated. So we have to realize the dispensation we are in is called grace. grace. Now, look at this in Matthew chapter 5. And verse 17, it says, again, this is Jesus coming. And he says this, If you think that I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. Now, my, my job for this morning is to just whet your appetite so that you dive a little bit deeper into this. Because when you understand who you are, what time frame that you're in, it gets you excited. You won't have to wait for the song to kind of get you up and going. You just want to start doing it because you realize that I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, that why was the law given? The law was given, it was meant to be an intimidary agreement. Added, that's the wrong verse there, guys. Verse 19, it says, why was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. What's the law given for? It's basically, imagine this. You go on a date. You're on a blind date with somebody. All right, here we go. And all of a sudden, you are eating, and you're a big mess eating your spaghetti. You walk into the men's washroom, and you're standing there. Or if you're a female, you go to the female washroom. We don't have to. We understand how that works. Girls go to girls. Men go to men. Okay, just so that we're clear. All right. <laughs> just, just throwing that up for fun. Okay. So me being a man, I'm going to walk into the men's washroom. And all of a sudden, I look at my face, and there's spaghetti sauce all over my face. Now, what I could do is I could just freak out of the mirror. You stupid mirror, what's wrong with you? Make me look better. The mirror would go, I I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the law is like a reflection. It's a mirror of what your sin state was like. It showed you your flaws. It showed you the mistakes. And so basically, for me to go into the mirror and go, what's wrong with you? It's to show you that I'm in need of a napkin. Well, the law was given to show you that you are in need of a savior. That's why the law was given. Go back to Galatians 3, verse 19. He says, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. It was right there to show you how wrong you were. Now, notice this. It says, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the seed of the child who was promised. So how long is the law supposed to be here? Until the coming of the seed. It doesn't say seeds of Abraham. It says the seed. Who is that? That's Jesus. So the law was supposed to be here until Jesus came. And the moment Jesus came, as we saw in Matthew chapter 5, I've come to fulfill all that the law says. So now what? Now look at this in Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to give you lots of scriptures today. So I hope you're you're ready to go. I'll get a good old sword drill going on. Hebrews chapter 8. Ready, set, go. You're just waiting for the screen. Okay, that's cool too. But in downstairs, you wouldn't be getting any super bucks. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Jesus' priestly work. Now notice what Jesus is doing. It far surpasses what these other priests do since he's working from a far better plan. If the first plan, the old covenant, had worked out, a second wouldn't have been needed. Okay, now notice this, but we see this, click, click, but we know that the first found wanting because God said, now listen to what God said, heads up, everybody say with me, heads up, the days are coming when I will be setting up a new plan for dealing with Israel and Judah, I'll throw out the old plan that I set up with their ancestors when I led them out of the hand of Egypt, they didn't keep their part of the bargain, so I looked away and let it go. This new plan that I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper, isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time, I'm writing out the plan in them, craving it on the lining of their hearts. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. They won't have to go to school to learn about me or buy a book called God in Five Easy Lessons. They'll all get to know me. Come on, y'all. They'll all get to know me how? Firsthand. What does that mean? You don't need a mediator between you and Jesus. That's it. You don't need a priest. He's our high priest. Yeah. There is nobody between God and man except the man Jesus Christ. Yeah. Woo! That's good news. Anybody interested in first-hand information? I mean, we've been seeing over the course of these years, we've seen a lot of second-hand information. And how's that going out for you? When you get first-hand information, only not not only this on the Father Himself. Wow. They'll get to know me firsthand, the little and the big. I did that opposite. Little and the big. The small and the big, the great. They'll get to know me by being kindly forgiven, with the slate of their sins forever wiped clean, by coming up with a new plan. Listen, what did he do with the old one? A new covenant between God and his people. God put the old plan on the shelf. There it sits, collecting dust. Now what is he doing? He is enforcing, and he's relating to people according to the new dispensation. The old one is on the shelf. So if I'm going to be try relating with God according to that covenant that's on the shelf over there, I'll be extremely frustrated, frustrated. I've been God, don't you see what I'm doing? Don't you see my good deeds? Don't you see what I'm like? You are trying to operate and work with God according to what you've done, according to the law, really is God. Do you notice what I do? That's on the shelf. He's not paying any attention to that. What is he focusing on? He's focusing on the finished works of his son, Jesus. That's what his eyes is on. So a lot of times what we see in this new covenant, why you're frustrated is because you're looking at you too much. You're focusing way too much on what you do or what you didn't do. And so we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves and we start getting it onto him. That's where our eyes need to be. So on the shelf, leave it there. It's there to collect dust. Okay. Now, I cannot relate to God according to the law because, again, it does not work. And as I said, it won't work because God's not looking at you. He's looking through the eyes of his son Jesus through the dispensation called grace. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. It says, so what, I, what do I got to do now? I don't want to put God's grace as something peripheral or minor. What does peripheral mean? Side or secondary, side vision. Y'all, you see this? This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. I don't want to view God's grace as something what? Minor. It is a huge deal because what is is the dispensation we're in? Grace, 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 grace. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness, his right standing to me, the anointed one would have died for nothing. Now look at this. The message Bible says it like this. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. There's no point to it. Now, continuing to live by the law or continuing to live by my works or continually to be focused on my performance, do you know what you actually do? You cut yourself off from the grace of God. Wow. Look at this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Wow. It says this, if you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligations of the law, so when you hear the law, don't just think, Kate, the book. Think my works, my efforts. If I want to be made holy by what I do, God, did you notice I went to church today? Hey, please star me. Give me something. Like, God, notice me. Notice me. It's not going to work. If you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You have cut yourselves off from the anointed one, and you have fallen away from the revelation of grace. It is so crucial that we understand the dispensation that we are in. Are we in the time of your works and your efforts? No, that's put on the shelf. What are we interested in? What Jesus has done, what Jesus has accomplished, what Jesus has fulfilled for us. That's my standing. I'm just laying a little foundation this morning. We okay? Okay. The Living Bible says it like this. Christ is useless to you if you are counting on clearing your debt to God by keeping these laws. You are actually lost from his grace. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to continue to keep rather than the grace of God peripheral in my sight. It's the focus it's the message. This is what Jesus is doing today. It's grace. Yeah. Now notice this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, again in Galatians. I would encourage you, really go through the book of Galatians and find this out. Because you actually find this is a, a collective group of churches here. And they have heard, they've seen, you know, Paul preached the gospel to them. And Paul actually said, I preached it to you so that you actually were there when you saw the crucified Messiah on the cross. I taught it and preached it in such a way that you actually saw it. And now what happened? Somebody came in and you'll see this Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. Now notice notice Paul's words. He's not just I'm shocked. He is literally going wild. He's going, "I'm shocked. Yo, what's wrong with you? If you speaking in all language. What, what what are you stupid? What are you doing? I am shocked over how quickly you have strayed away from the one who called you in the grace of Christ." I'm frankly astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel. What's a distorted gospel? You're going to see it. He said, this is a fake gospel that is simply not true. There is only one gospel and the gospel of the Messiah, yet you allowed those who mingle, what are they doing? They're trying to mingle the law with grace to confuse you with lies. What's the mingling of the law and the mingling of grace? It's saying this, it's my efforts, my goodness, and the blood of Jesus equals my victory. Completely wrong. Sounds good. It sounds Christian, but it's nothing because you're in my efforts to please and get a standing with God are as filthy rags. It is useless. My righteousness is not based on who I am and how good I do or look what I can do. It's completely based on Jesus and Jesus alone. My efforts, my work after all of that is now what I'll get rewarded on. But it's not me trying to impress God. Me trying to get a certain standing to appease heaven. He's already appeased. Now, when you get this in your thinking, this will change your life. You may not be running around right now, but tell me, when you get home and you get a revelation of this, it will radically change the way you live your life. Verse 8. How do I know this? Because in Tim Hortons, again, I'll go to Tim Hortons and I just cry. I sit there and I just drink my iced coffee and go, God, this is amazing. A lot of people come, are you okay, sir? I'm fine. Just maybe refill this. <laughs> now, again, now notice how severe Paul gets with this. Anyone who comes to you with a different message than the grace gospel that you have received from, will, sorry, that you have received, will have the curse of God come upon them. For even if we or an angel appeared before you to give you a different gospel than what we have already proclaimed, God's curse will be upon them. I will make it clear. Verse 9. Sorry, guys, my got mixed up there let me be clear anyone no matter who they are that brings you a different gospel than the gospel that you have received let them be condemned and let them be cursed those are pretty profound words now what's he talking about mixing my efforts with the blood of jesus to make god happy or to get a standing with god that i can't just get on the blood of jesus thanks jesus for your blood but it's not quite enough so I'm going to have to do a little bit more to actually get me to this place of right standing. Can you see how stupid that is? Yeah. But what do we see in the church? We, we, we're not, not this church, just the church in large. You see a lot of this. I have to do something. I got to be something. I, I have to say the right thing. I got to jump the right height. I got to behave the right way. I got to do, 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 do. And what do we got? We got these people that are mixing grace with law and we're found out, I'm frustrated. God, where are you in all this? You're not understanding, you're you're mixing the wrong dispensation. You're in this place, this dispensation is on the shelf. I approach him, he looks at me through the lens of grace, period. Okay, now, the focus of this dispensation or the main message in this dispensation is God loves and he demonstrates his love to you. The message in this dispensation is not how much I love God. (laughs) He loved me. Why? Because, or sorry, I love him. Why? Because he loved me first. Everything starts with him in this dispensation. You and I are simply the responders to what grace has already done. See, you and I are, you're trying to earn your healing. You're trying to earn your blessing. You know what you're doing? You're mixing the law and grace. I have to act. I have to do. Listen, of course, faith without works is dead. Don't get me wrong. There is an action, but it's not based on I need God to heal me. He's already done it. Now we're going to get into that in a sec because the dispensation we're in, the main message is God loves you. Say it with me. God loves you. Again, now make it personal. This is the message that heaven is preaching today that he needs the earth to understand. God loves me. Ready to say it? God loves me. One more time, say it. God loves me. But I. No, 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 no. God loves me, period. But I did. It doesn't matter. Stop here. God loves me. And when I stop at this place right here, forget the buts afterwards, God loves me, period. It will revolutionize the way that I live my life. So much of the time we try this behavior modification. We try so much, I have to do, I got to be, I got to stop it. Start in this place. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And when it dawns on you, I'm going to start treating my wife a little differently. I got to be a better husband. I got to be a better husband. No, no, no. When you get a revelation of how much you are loved by God, you don't mind serving and giving your life. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I, I'm too high for that. Really? Then you don't know the love of Christ. Yeah. Everything comes back to this. It's, Paul actually said in Second Corinthians chapter five, it's the love of Christ that constrains me. Yeah. What does that mean? It's God loves me, therefore I can't help but just pour out my life as a sacrifice. Think about it. How could somebody actually who's getting stoned to death all of a sudden, as he's getting stoned, jump up and run back in to preach to the exact people that try to kill him? How do, you, how do you do that? It makes zero sense. That's the love of God. It makes no sense. And we're going to get into this right here. Look at the message or, again, the essence of this dispensation we're in. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Now, I want you to see there's a few sentences in here that I really want to spark your eyes on to see it. But it says, when the time was right. So again, whenever you see those word time, he's talking dispensations. When the dispensation, when the timing was right for one to end and the next to, to begin, the anointed one, he came and died to do what? To demonstrate, come on, his anger, his love for who? The church. Oh, sorry, for who? Who? For, for who? Sinners. sinners. Come on, say the yes word. Sinners. Who was a sinner? And the rest of you just born holy. Okay, what? That's man. That's amazing. To demonstrate his love for sinners, and now notice what the sinner state was: entirely helpless, entirely weak, and powerless to save themselves. Basically useless. Verse seven. Now. Who of us, talking about you and I, would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? Now, we all have different degrees of what wicked would be. But if you could just think of the most wicked person on this entire globe, put that on there. Would you die for that person? No. Not a chance. He can die. I'm just being honest in your brain. That's what you're saying. That's not me. That's you. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Would you die for that wicked person? No, man, not a chance. Kill that sucker. I don't care. We could all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. Right? Okay, there'd be, I'd consider it, but probably not. Okay? Just being honest this morning, okay? Now, verse 8. But Christ proved God's, what? His passionate love for us. By dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Now I want you to see some of these things. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love. Now just jumping ahead, Ephesians chapter 3. The heart and prayer, what does God want you to experience? His love. That's what this dispensation is all about. And listen, after this dispensation's done, thank God it's not like we got this mean God waiting for us later on. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, in the ages to come, he is going to show you and I the riches of his grace towards us in Christ Jesus. What are you going to be doing in 2 million years from now? He's going to be revealing to you and I how much he loves you. What about 10 million years from now? Do you think we'll be kind of bored up there? No, guess what? He's going to open up another curtain and go, wow. And then 30 million years from now. Listen, have you guys ever thought you're going to be around here for another 75 billion years? What are you going to be doing there? Oh, yeah. That's getting kind of boring. No, what's he going to do? He's going to reveal another thing. And you go, oh, man, this is amazing. It's the exceeding riches of his grace. That's what he's going to be doing. But it doesn't start in heaven. It starts now. (laughs) That's what eternal life is. Eternal life is not you live forever. Eternal life is quality of life. Okay, now go back to verse 9 there for a sec. There's still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. Click. Now look at this. Through the blood of Jesus... Say with me, through the blood of Jesus. Does it say through my good works? Okay, so we're clear. What does it say? Through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, I am now righteous in his sight. Some of you haven't heard that before. You know why? It's because it's, you're, trying to get, you're trying to hear it in your own efforts. You're trying to hear it in your performance. You're trying to hear it in how good you've been. God's not going to say, oh, now you are righteous in my sight after I've performed so much. You'll never hear it. So you keep doing, and you keep trying, and you keep putting all this effort into things. Showing up, doing, serving, going, okay, God, I'm okay. <sighs> Nothing the heck man this church stuff this christian stuff doesn't work it doesn't when you're operating in the wrong dispensation you'll be extremely frustrated you will serve your butt off till you see experience and see nothing from the kingdom of god go god i gave my entire life he goes yeah i gave you mine how am i declared righteous through what through the blood of jesus and i'm just trying to hit this point home because it has nothing to do with you this this dispensation is all about him and what he's done that's why the prophets, they looked like when they were prophesying about this, they got a little glimpse of it. In 1 Peter, you can see they were amazed by this. The angels of God, they would go, what is a man that you were mindful of him? Like, why are you spending so much time with this piece of dirt that you made? Like, Why are you? God's in love. And when God's in love, he goes all out. <laughs> and because, now notice the next line. And because of my hard work. I will never experience the wrath of God. No? Come on, y'all. We got to read this. Again, this is the dispensation we're in. Because of what? The sacrifice of Jesus. I will never experience the wrath of God. Yes! (laughs) Are you kidding me? One thing, yeah, you were saved to God, but guess what? You were also saved from him. Because there's a day of wrath coming, as you just see right here. Hebrews talks about there is God is a consuming fire. But when he comes back for us, he's not dealing with you according to your sin. He's coming here to fulfill the salvation that he's already accomplished and began in you and I. That's Hebrews chapter 12, I believe. So again, through what? Come on, y'all. Are you, are you getting this or am I just going to sweat up here? Are you, are we, through the blood of Jesus... I will never experience the wrath of God. Verse 10. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through what? Do you see anything about your work in there? So I'm fully reconciled to God when? Now, because of what? The death of his son. Come on, say it with me. I am fully reconciled to God. What does that mean? There's no distance. Oh, well, you don't know my life. No, 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 no! Don't, don't, don't stop it. Doesn't matter. Jesus made you completely acceptable and he reconciled you to God through his sacrifice. Then something greater than friendship is ours. Look at this, verse 11. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will be rescued from sin's dominion? Verse 11, and even more than that, We overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living, reconciled to God, all because of my works. I did it. I made it all. I finally got it. will be nobody that will ever say that. It's impossible. But all because of Jesus Christ, I have, and now listen, I can enjoy my relationship with him. Why are you not enjoying your relationship? Because you're hanging out with a dispensation that's on the shelf. God's not there. So you guys are just hanging around the shelf. I'm just waiting for God to come. I'm just waiting for God to come. He's not going to show up. And we keep hanging around the shelf thinking, well, God's going to surely notice my Bible reading. Sub Lord? Just reading my word, you know, just doing my thing. <laughs> and you're doing it in a way to appease him, get him to notice you. He already notices you but it's not based on you it's based on what he's done so we have got to get this terminology or this phrase in our vocabulary all because of Jesus I am healed come on say it with me all because of Jesus I am free all because of Jesus I'm healed all because of Jesus I receive the spirit of God it's all because of him you don't have to earn a thing. You don't have to prove anything to anybody in this room. You have to prove anything to God. You, all you have to do is simply go. I believe it. Thank you, Lord. Now help me to walk in this dispensation of grace. We have to learn how to operate in this dispensation. See, the church world is so great at talking about the Ten Commandments, but listen—they're fulfilled. Now, you know the commandment we live in under is the love of the, the love, which fulfills all the commands. But you're spending so much time, I got to do, I got to do. Okay, I better not do this. I better, because if I do, God's going to get, where does that come from? It's religion. And Galatians says, that's trash. It's done. He's dealt with it. Because if he hasn't dealt with it, guess what? You will have to. And that's not going to feel good. Now, there's a phrase that I want you to see this. The Lord really grabbed my attention on this. In Romans 6, 14, I want you to turn there. Please, if you have a Bible, turn there, flip there. Let these words come off the page to you. Because I was spending some time just meditating on this dispensation that we're living in. This phrase, this verse, the Lord led me to this verse. And just this phrase popped out at me, and I want to show it to you today. So in verse 14, it says, sin is no longer your master. Say with me. Sin is no longer my master. Well, yeah, but I still struggle. Stop. You're in this dispensation of grace. So we got to learn not just I have to fix myself before. No, learn who you are. That'll fix the crap. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Say it with me. I no longer longer live live under the requirements requirements of the law. What does that mean? I no longer live under my performance. I have to do in order for God to notice. I don't live under that anymore. What do I live under? Now, I want you just to get this good picture of I'm living under something. Like, here's this speaker. What am I under? I'm under this speaker. Now, the law is me performing. If I lived under the law, I have to perform to please God. Now, he says, you now live under the freedom of God's grace. This phrase popped up. I live under God's grace. I'm under. So what does God's grace do? It comes down on me. It lavishes on me regularly. If I'm under the law, I have to perform to please up. From here, he's pleased, and his, his, his well-pleased attitude comes down all over me. I'm under grace. Say with me. I'm under grace. This is how I have to live. Because we've gotten so good. Okay, I know how to play church. I know how to do churchy things. And I can jump up and down. People go, ooh, that's really good church stuff. But that's not going to help you in your everyday life. We've gotten so weird church-wise, and we forgot, this is going to change your life every day. I live under grace. I live under grace. How's it going to help me raise my kids? I live under grace. God, show me how you father. Okay, that's what I do here. I live under grace. This is where I always live. This is where I function. How do I be a husband? I live under grace. How do I provide for financially? I live under grace. How do I receive this? I live under grace. I live under grace. I live under grace. This has to be our mentality. When I live there, life looks totally different. So this is where I live, under grace. Now, under grace, every victory I would ever need in this life has already been purchased. Yeah. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. I love this. Are you okay? Yeah. Good. Good. It says, even in the midst of all these things, again, the Apostle Paul is talking about the problems, the trials, the persecutions, the things that this world will throw at you regularly. He says, even in the midst of all of this stuff, come on, y'all, some of you got some stuff that you're going through. There's stuff in the midst of all of this. I triumph over them all. How can you say these statements? How can you just say that? I live under grace. So I triumph over everything that comes my way. Can you see it? If I'm outside of grace, now you're arrogant. Here? Now I'm humble. I'm speaking truth that God says. Can you see this? Okay. I triumph over them all because God has made us to be more than conquerors. Where did he do that? Under grace. Okay. And his demonstrated love is my victor or glorious victory over everything. Pause for five minutes of shouting. That's what I had in my nose. <laughs> All right, thank you, Thank you, Thank you. That's- We still have another four minutes and 30 seconds, so I, I, don't you, I don't know what you guys want to do. I'm going to just wait here. <laughs> but his love has made that available as already, say with me, already. already. What are you facing? What are you going through? What's a challenge that's in front of you? You need to get this mentality. I am under grace. Therefore, no matter what comes my way, I'm already more than a conqueror over that. Why? Because I'm under grace. I'm under grace. And this grace, no matter what comes our way, his love for me is so deep, so high, so wide, that no matter what the enemy throws at me, it fails in comparison to his grace. See, the devil just try to throw a wrench every once in a while, just to try to, you know, screw things up a little bit. But hey, no matter what kind of wrench he throws at you, when you're under grace, what sin, what issue could be so dangerous that a person who's under grace can just go... Psh. That's why the Apostle Paul says, for the light, momentary afflictions that we're going through. You know, in our English vocabulary, we would just say, man, I hear you're really going through something. Psh, this is how God would look at it. Right. You know, I had my, my son came up and all of a sudden he was telling me that he had he was making a drawing and it got destroyed by, I don't know, water or something. So he came up, Pop up my, the picture that I worked so hard on, it literally was just a flower. Like there was nothing... There's nothing else on it, on like this big white piece of paper, probably about this big. It's wrecked, it's ruined. And I just, okay, um, do you wanna do another one? Okay, but it was such a big deal. And I think the father looks the same way. God, this is just what I'm going through. And he goes, okay, okay uh, you're under my grace. We major on the minors, and we, ma- we major or minor on the majors. In this dispensation of grace, what needs to be talked about more than anything in your household? How loved I am by God. Wow. This is the dispensation I'm in. It's not, this is something that's really re- revolutionized the way that I'm parenting. Rather than coming on, man, why did you, how, you did this? What on, calm down. Look at your neighbor, tell them to calm down. Or when you're first married, you know, Jamie tried to give me a chill pill. Woo, I said, son, don't give me that chill pill. But it would be so helpful if we would just calm down. Calm down. I'm under grace. He loves me. Yeah, but this... Pro- he loves me. But gas is two dollars in some sense. He loves me. But did you see what the premier? Christians are just... But you know what the problem is? You've totally left the dispensation that you're living in. He loves me. If he can get water out of a rock in the wilderness, surely he can take care of gas in my tank. (laughs) But how is that gonna happen? I have to remember that I'm living under grace. And if I'm living outside of, if I'm taking myself under his covering and I just start doing whatever, first of all, arrogant, and I'm trying, I'm expecting God to do different things. Get under his grace. Find out what he's already done. It makes it so much easier receiving from God than trying to get God to do something. Okay. Now, again, his demonstrated love is what? My glorious victory over everything. So it's not my effort. It's not how well or how hard I pray. It's his demonstrated love. So listen, the the test will come when a problem comes your way. And rather than getting all emotional, all tied up into this, I got to stop. And I have to just take a moment to exalt and magnify what he did on that cross for me. To bring me in this dispensation going, you love me, you love me, you love me. I believe heaven just goes, man, when all of a sudden we just stop and go, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Father goes, hey, angel, I need you to get on that right right quick. Get get on that, get on that, get on that. Somebody has faith in my love. Go, 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 go. That's where I live. Because, again, Galatians 5, this isn't in the notes, but Galatians 5, 6, it says, Faith worketh by love. But if you really look into the detail of the Apostle Paul, what he's saying in the book of Galatians, he's actually saying your faith is established and grows when you know how loved you are. (sighs) I am loved. Period. Now, moving on. Still doing all right? Living under grace, first one was every victory I would ever need in this life has already been purchased. Living under grace, I've been brought into this place called undeserved privilege. You want to talk about privileged? You're looking, I'm right here. Privileged. I'm looking at a bunch of privileged folk this morning. Why? Is it because, well, this is the family I grew up. It has nothing to do with natural things. People will try to make it about race. They'll try to make it about gender. They'll try to do everything they can to divide us. But Jesus said, my grace brings you into this place of undeserved privilege. Ready? Romans chapter 5. You're still doing okay? Can I get a whoop, whoop, Okay. All right. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by my effort... No, by what? By By my faith in what Jesus has done. I now have peace with God because of what? What Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So this peace can't be broken unless Jesus messes it up. And he can't. So your peace with God is solid. Verse 2, he says, again, because of my works. Nope. Verse 2, guys, because of my faith, Christ has brought me into this place of undeserved privilege privilege, where I now stand and I am confident and joyfully looking forward to sharing in his glory. Talk about privileged. That's where I am. So what do I do? Take some time. Get under this position of grace rather than reading this word, trying to go, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. Look for these words gift and grace and find out what has already been lavishly provided for you. So rather now in this state of, okay, I got to get this in my life. I got to see this. I got to see this. Rather than going in this position of, I'm already anxious. I got to do something. Going into this place going, "Ah, I already got this. What a load off. Now, again, living under grace. Here's a third point. I am complete in Christ and eternally acceptable to God. I don't need to strive to keep the law in order to earn or gain God's love, his acceptance, his favor, or his blessing. I don't have to earn a thing. He loves me. Say it again. He loves me. So what am I majoring on? He loves me. What do I major on? Come on. He loves me. What's the biggest thing that this world needs to hear right now? He loves me. And what is this culture doing so vigorously and harsh at? You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, you actually find that the Israelites, they murmured against the Lord because they thought he hated them. God, you brought us out into this wilderness to die. There's nothing here for us. It says they murmured against him because they thought that he hated them. Well, if you look at the culture today, very anti-God, pushing, trying to get God out of everything. That's that's the way the culture is going. We know what's going to get darker and darker. So it's not like they're going to let up. But the the message of the church needs to be the same message that heaven has. What's the message of heaven in these last days? Grace. God loves you. And it's not just to be spoken of. You actually can experience this deep, unending, never-ending, never-forgetting type of love. And once you experience it, how many of you experienced it? Now, here's the key word. How many of you are experiencing it? It's not just a one-time thing. It should be daily. Because the moment that I'm not, I'm, you know, that's the first job the Spirit of God came to, on the inside of us to do. Romans 5.5 5 says that the Spirit of God has been poured into our hearts so that we can experience God's love. If that well, if I just stop letting my heart being nourished by the love of God, I become a hard, strict law guy I'm by the book the letter kills anybody ever had anybody you don't talk to them according to the word of God but there's no love to it they're using it to attack whoa what's the word of God used for to cut Satan down not people the word of God is here to build up to lift you up and then he says love edifies so what's going to make people better love 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 what made you better love experiencing his love Now, look at this. I got two verses that I'll close. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at this, verse 5 and 6. It says, For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus. Can you see the emphasis today? It's him. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. (laughs) God doesn't bless you because you're good. He blesses you because he's good. (laughs) Anybody ever watch Dennis the Menace? (laughs) Remember, you know, Dennis and his buddy Joey, they're walking away from Mrs. Wilson's house, and then Dennis said, man, I want, man, we must have been really good kids today for Mrs. Wilson to give us all those cookies, and Joey looked over at Dennis and said, Dennis, Mrs. Wilson didn't give us cookies because we're good, she gave us cookies because she's good. The emphasis is on the character of God, not on my faults. His character, again, let me just pause here for a moment. Romans 2.4 says, don't you realize that it's his kindness of God that leads people to change or leads people to repentance? That's what it is. So when all of a sudden you experience this grace of God and you're going, man, I'm a jerk and I experience this grace. What does it do? It changes you. You know, the Passion Bible actually says, don't you realize that His kindness is there to melt your heart? What can melt the most harshest stone heart that may be out there? The love of God. I'll just, can I just share a quick story with you? I heard there was a gentleman that was sharing about, they do some uh, work in the inner city of Chicago, and he was, <laughs> they, they were going out, doing they'd taken some time to do some evangelism. They go, so two by two. And two ladies went into this you know, really dangerous part of Chicago and there was just a man that was kind of walking over there so they kind of ran over to him just wanted to you know talk and really just share the gospel with him and then this guy that's standing there you know you know big guy just all you know tattooed up and looking all like this and said do you know who I am I said Sir, we have no idea who you are and then he started pointing well you see that Lexus you see that one that one and that one they watch over me everywhere I go I don't stay in one place too long because I don't want to get caught he was one of the main gang leaders in Chicago and so he'd be going around all different places, and these lexes, and there's you know bodyguards or guys in there that keep a close eye on him to make sure he's okay. So all of a sudden they said, "Oh great, that's a nice looking Lexus over there." And uh, she's this, there's, so there's two ladies and there's a big guy. So she said, "Can I can I just shake your hand?" Sure. She reached out her hand. The moment they conked at it, he fell out, <laughs> and he's on the ground. Meanwhile. <laughs> Lexus is pull up. They're you know, going all around. They circle these ladies, and they're going, what, 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 what? And I'll say, what did you do to him? I just shook his hand. The power of God hit him so hard, he came up a completely changed man. What did it? Ladies that came out with a heart to go, God loves me and sure loves you, and he'll love the hell out of you. And that's exactly what happened the guy accepted the lord and man all of a sudden things the main gang leader in chicago oh we need programs for this we need pro yeah thank god for all those things but nothing changes anything like the love of god i just need my marriage to change yeah that's great you know what you need you need a touch from almighty god the love of god because the love is what changes you my business just needs to change maybe you should be the change agent well i'm going to get in there and turn things around with the love of God is how you actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 here now. It says, for the same love that he, the Father, has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for me. The same love, come on, let's say this together. The same love that he has for his beloved one, Jesus, He has for me. Okay, no, one more time. I need everybody saying it. This is the message of this dispensation. The same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for me. Believe this. And this unfolding plan, what does it do? It brings him great pleasure. Last verse is this, Colossians 2.10. Yeah, thank you, White Danielle. You want to come up here too? Thank you so much. It says our own completeness is now found in Him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. But I want you to see, you don't have, you know, you're not looking for identity. We don't have an identity crisis. I'm complete in who in him. Is it once I get myself together? Sure, man, we all got stuff that we got to work through. Absolutely. That's just called the transforming of your soul. Everybody's got to take time doing that. We're all going to be doing this for a very long time. So you might as well get used to that. But don't do it from this place going, I'm lacking something. I suck at, no, 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 no. Start from this place. This would help a lot of single folk getting married. I'm complete in Christ Jesus. And now I'm completely filled with God because of what Jesus has already done. I'm just wanting God to fill me. He already did. So rather than, okay, God, fill me, fill me, fill me. Now respond to him rather going, I'm filled by almighty God. Yes. Can we all just stand up here for a, for a moment?